Uh, well, again, good morning, church. Uh, great to see all of you. Uh, I hope you had a, a nice Christmas and were able to spend some time eating good food and relaxing uh, with family and, and friends. I hope you didn't have to work too hard. Uh, I know for me it was, a, it was great last Sunday uh, to be joined together for the first time with uh, SIBC and Way. Uh, just really encouraging. So for those of you who were able to be there last Sunday, thank you for being there. Uh, and thank you as well uh, to those of you who were able to attend uh, our Christmas Eve service here uh, or uh, the joint uh, English Christmas service at Anuri Church. Uh, I've heard from multiple people uh, in this gathering uh, that you're really blessed by those times. Uh, and for me, uh, it was just really refreshing to, to be able to be with so many of God's people uh, this past week. Uh, well, we've now reached the end of a new year. Or sorry, end of the old year, I guess you say. This is the last Sunday of 2019 and, and 2020, which is a new decade as well. It's right around uh, the corner. And this is typically uh, a time of year where people tend to reflect on the year that's gone by. Uh, perhaps you decide on taking up some resolutions or you resolve to do certain things in the year to, to come. And honestly... Uh, many of those things, uh, they have their place, right? Like there's, there's nothing wrong uh, with deciding to exercise more, okay, for the month of January. Uh, there, some of you got that, right, because you've been there like me. All right, there's nothing wrong with uh, trying to save more money or some of you spend less money. Uh, there's nothing wrong with resolving to spend more quality time with, with family and, and friends or deciding to learn a new skill or a new hobby in the coming year. But what I want to propose to you today is that as disciples of Jesus Christ, okay, as his church, there are other things, I think much more important things, there are other things that we should be working towards, aiming towards, and resolving to do in the year to come. And really, not just next year, but with the rest of our lives. For those of you who have been here uh, this month, we have been sort of centering our, our time together around Advent. Okay, you can see the candles there lit, in, uh, lit for the last time. We've been centering our time around remembering the coming of Jesus that first Christmas and what that means uh, for you and I. And part of the beauty of Advent is that not only does it help us to look back to when Jesus first came, but Advent also, and it should rightfully, help us to look forward to anticipate uh, the promise that while, yes, Jesus did come, ultimately we know he is coming again. Advent reminds us of that. And so as we finish up uh, this year and and look towards uh, a coming new year, I want us to once again, some of you maybe for the first time, consider Jesus's second coming. And along with that, discuss how we ought to live our lives in light of the promise of his coming, in light of Advent. How should we be living our lives now and in the coming year, the rest of our lives, knowing and understanding that Jesus is coming back? Well, to help us answer that question, I want to focus our time together on the book of Second Peter, chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, why don't you turn there with me? Uh, it's in the very, very back of, of, the, of the, uh, your Bible. 
there's some Bibles in front of you as well in, in, in the pews. Just to provide a little bit of context as to what is uh, happening in this chapter, uh, Peter is, I think, for the context and for this message, rightfully, uh, he is discussing the second coming of Christ. Okay? And the reality that while followers of Jesus are citizens of the kingdom now, there is coming a day where we will enter the new heavens and the new earth and dwell with the Lord there forever. Okay, that's the context of 2 Peter chapter 3. And so certainly, okay, based on that fact, there is this, and, and should be, this joyous anticipation that we live with now as we wait. Like we're, we're here as the church. We, we know he's coming back. That should fill us with joy. It should fill us with great anticipation. Okay, we should long for that day. But at the same time, right, as we wait and as we anticipate, there are also things for us to do. We have some tasks before us, if you will. There are ways in which the Lord wants us to grow. And, and the Apostle Peter is going to address that here at the end of 2 Peter chapter 3. And so, in light of the reality of Jesus' second coming, what Peter does is sort of ask us this hypothetical question that he's then going to answer. He, he questions the church. He says this. Look at verse 11. It's already on the screen. He says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you be? He says, Knowing that Jesus is coming, and he's coming again, knowing that his judgment is near, Okay, followed by the eternal day of God where the church will inherit okay, his eternal kingdom. What sort of people should we be? How should the Lord find us? How should you be living your life in light of his second coming? And then as I said, Peter follows his question with his own answers. I'm really thankful he answers his own question. And this morning, we're going to handle a few of those answers. So if you're taking notes today, the big question that we're going to be asking ourselves uh, in this text is, how should we live in light of Advent? Or how should we live in light of Jesus' second coming? And this is the first thing that we find in our text. Number one, Peter says, we should be at peace. We should be at peace. How should we live in light of Jesus' second coming? Number one, we should be at peace. Be at peace. Take a look at what Peter says in verse 14. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. That's where we're going to start diving in today. He says this. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. He says, since you are looking forward, since you are anticipating the second coming of Jesus Christ, this is what you should do as a follower of Christ. This is how you should live as a Christian. He says, you should be 
diligent. It's a great word. It's, it's you should make every effort. That's what he's saying there. You should strive. You should work towards, work on what? He says, being at peace. Make every effort to be at peace. And so what does he mean by that here? Well, it could mean uh, that he wants us to be at peace with other believers, other, other people. That when Jesus comes to establish his kingdom, that he wants to find us living peacefully with others, being united, having one spirit, right? serving one another. Okay, but I don't think that's the, actually the best uh, interpretation here. It's certainly a component of being uh, at peace, but perhaps not exactly what Peter means by being at peace. I think what Peter is telling the, the church here is, is simply this. Be characterized by peace in that you are enjoying the peace of God that comes from faith in the Lord. Okay? Be characterized by peace or be at peace with God or in God, enjoying the peace of God that comes from your faith in God. And more specifically, what he's talking about here is being at peace because of your assurance. Be at peace because you are assured of your salvation. He's talking here about the kind of peace that guards your heart and guards your minds that the Apostle Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. He's talking about the kind of peace that makes us free from all types of anxiety, free from all sorts of fear. Because remember the, remember the context here. You have to remember the context. Peter has just told the church and reminded the church, Jesus is coming. He is coming soon, and when he comes, he's coming to judge the world. He's coming to judge sinners, which includes, by the way, that's you and me. He's coming to judge sinners. But then Peter sort of gives us this glimmer of hope here. He says, because you are following Jesus, because you belong to Christ, because you are his, be at peace with Christ. Be free from worry about the future and free from worry in regards to his coming because you are his. So be assured of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you. That's his point here. Have a strong sense of your faith and a strong sense of your salvation. Be confident in what you believe. And notice Peter also says there in the text to be found spotless and blameless. He couples that along with peace. He's saying, again, think of who Jesus is, and think of what Jesus has done. Think of what you believe, what you've sort of fixated your life and your heart on. And then he's saying, live out or live your life according to what you believe. He's saying, take care of sin in your life. Submit to the Lord and his ways. Live a holy and pure life. Life. You see, the reality of, of the gospel is that you and I, the church, we are destined, get this, we are destined for a life of eternal purity and eternal glory. 
And in light of that truth, Peter says, be found living that way right now. In other words, there's a certainty of what your future is going to look like. And knowing that, walk in accordance to that future. If you are making strides towards that end, if you are attempting to live your life like Christ and for Christ, He's saying that should give you assurance or even more reason to be at peace. Peter says, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, find comfort knowing that all is well between you and the Lord. And I should say this as well. While this is primarily in regards to having security in your salvation and being at peace uh, with his coming, his second coming, I think it's also right for me to say that this is, this is much broader than that, this peace. That just in general, okay, we as believers should be living in a condition of perfect peace. Why? Again, because of our faith and trust in Christ. And so there's, there's absolutely no need for anxiety in your life. No need for unrest in your life. If you know that you have a heavenly father who is leading you and taking care of you. If you and I already know the end of the story, how all of this is going to wind up. If you already know where you're headed. He's saying, you can have peace and you should have peace. You can live your life today apart from fear, apart from worry, apart from all forms of anxiety. And so the question certainly that comes with us for us today is, so are you? Are you living a life free from worry, fear? And all sorts of anxiety. Has that defined your life in 2019? Let me encourage you, if it has, in 2020, strive to be found living in peace. Because of who he is. Because of what he's done. Peter says, as you anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ, be at peace. Moving forward, Peter says, as we wait... As we look forward to his second coming, this is point number two if you're taking notes, we should share and we should guard the truth. In light of Advent, in light of his second coming, we should share and we should guard the truth. For the sake of time, we won't be able to work through the entirety of the next few verses, the next like three or so verses, uh, but I'm certain that you'll get the main idea. Look at verse 15. Peter writes this. He says, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He says, As we anticipate the arrival of Jesus, we are to, to be, in a sense, caught up in using the time energy, and gifts that the Lord has given us to tell others the good news of the gospel. 
You see, right before this passage that we're, we're dealing with, Peter has addressed uh, this issue that was taking place in and around the church. There were people who were actually questioning the second coming of Jesus. They're saying, we, we know that Jesus promised that he would come. Hey, but that was a while ago, and all of these bad things have happened. He hasn't come yet, and so that means he's not coming at all. Jesus isn't, isn't coming. And so Peter here, he addresses that. He says, and maybe you want to underline this or, or highlight it, circle it. He says, his patience means salvation. In other words, Jesus has been and is still slow to come because he is being patient with you and I. He's being patient with humanity, with with the world. He's, in other words, he's giving time for people, for, for every tribe, every nation, every tongue to respond to the gospel. He's waiting patiently out of his compassion and out of his mercy. And so in, in light of that, understanding that heart of the Father, God's heart here, what Peter's really saying here is that we do not have permission to just sit around and do nothing as we wait. That we are actually to be involved in the reason that the Lord is being patient. That we are to fulfill the task and mission that God has given us to be his ambassadors. To be involved in the, the ministry of reconciliation. To spread the the gospel message of Christ. Well, then in verse 16, I think we have this on the screen. We won't break this down, but, but Peter talks about how in the Apostle Paul's letters, he says, while their scripture, it's pretty significant actually, uh, the Apostle Peter, he's talking about the things that the Apostle Paul has written, and he's like, they are scripture. They are the words of God. It's pretty significant. He's saying, Paul's words reveal the truth about God, but then he says a kind of a but there. He says, but they are at times a bit hard to understand. <laughs> and because that is the case, and what's really significant for us today, is he says, because Paul's words at times can be difficult to understand, his theology can be a little bit complex. Because that's the case, there are people who are distorting and manipulating the truth of what Paul is saying for their own gain. That's what verse 16 is saying. And so based upon that, he gives the church this warning that as we wait for the second coming, look at verse 17. He says, as we wait, he says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. His point here is, is simple. He's saying, be on guard. Be on the defense. Be discerning. Realize, realize that there are going to be people in your life. There are going to be people in our world. There are going to be people even within the church who are going to come along and twist and manipulate the scriptures and lead people astray. 
lead people to believe another gospel. Lead people to believe a false gospel. And so he's saying, in light of that, be on guard so that you do not fall from your secure position. He says, don't let that happen to you. Stand firm on the truth. Stick closely to the truth. And as you do, be mindful that we have an enemy who wants to lead you away from the truth. And so to sum up this section, Peter says, while we wait, share the truth of the gospel and stand firm on the truths of the gospel. Be zealous, be eager to lead people to the truths of the saving message of Jesus and simultaneously be on guard against anything that is anti the saving message of Christ. Well, that brings us to our third point this morning. Peter exhorts us that while we wait, while we anticipate the second coming, we should be growing in knowledge. We should be growing in knowledge. Look at the first half of verse 18. The first half of verse 18. He says, But grow in the grace, and here it is, and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll get to the other part of our growing here in a minute. But first, let's talk about growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what does Peter have in mind here when he talks about knowledge, that word knowledge here? Well, actually, that word, uh, it's, it's twofold. It's twofold. He's saying, first of all, we are to grow in our knowledge about Christ. Okay? This coming year, let me encourage you, grow in your knowledge about Christ. That is, we need to remind ourselves again and again about the, the basic truths about Jesus. We need to remember and, and dwell on, meditate on his incarnation, that God became man. We need to meditate about his, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his glory, and so on and so on and, and so on. We need to be growing in our understanding of who Christ is and what he has done for us. We need to Once again, more so, consider the reality that Jesus is both Savior and Lord, Peter says. And understand what that means for us. Understand that he is the only one who can save as the Savior. He's the only one who can reconcile humanity back to their creator. And at the same time, he is Lord. He's the one that we must devote and commit the entirety of our lives too. That's who he is. We need to grow in our understanding of what that means. I think uh, here, if all of us were to sit down and we were to have a conversation, and even for me, that you would tend to lean towards one of the characters of Christ, particularly when it comes to him being Lord, and particularly when it comes to be him being Savior. We tend to not have a balance about that stuff. Some of us some of us, we really like the idea that Jesus is our Savior. That we grow a lot in our knowledge and remind ourselves of that. Like, I'm a sinner, I'm saved, I get to spend eternity with him. We're going to talk about grace in a second. 
And then some of you here, you're a little bit more strict right, on yourself. Uh, you have a, a, a reverence and a fear of the Lord, and so you tend to focus more on his lordship, that he is Lord, that I am to submit my, my whole life to him. I'm nothing but a servant and a slave. And the reality is both of those things are true at the same time. And so sort of reflect in your own life, where do you typically lean? And then try to not only grow in that area, but grow on the other side. Because Jesus is both Savior and Lord. Peter wants us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus as Savior and Lord. And so what that means then is that uh, we should not, all of us, we should not be content with just a, a 45 to 60 minute sermon on a Sunday. It's not enough to help you grow. I'd like to say that it is. <laughs> but it's not. It's not to, enough to attend a Sunday and then perhaps have an additional once a week uh, Bible study. Right? Certainly those things are good. Those things are valuable, important. But they're not enough if we are to adequately grow and come to any sort of deeper understanding of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you that as you wait, as you anticipate the second coming, this coming year, immerse yourself. Immerse yourself in God's word. Don't be satisfied with what you currently know. Keep growing. Strive to keep growing your knowledge of him. Aim uh, to be like the Puritan preacher, John Bunyan, who it was once said of by the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon, many of you know Charles Spurgeon. If you don't, you should Google him and read some of his stuff. Charles Spurgeon said this about John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He said this. He said, why this man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere, and his blood is, interesting phrase, he says, his blood is bibline. <laughs> okay? There's, the word of God is coming out of him. It's in his blood, he's saying. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak. Look at this. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the word of God. I want that to be said about me. Would anybody ever, ever say that about you? So again, be saturated with the scriptures. Not because of the words themselves, but because of the one who the words point you to. And then second, grow not just in your knowledge about Jesus, but grow to know him personally. Grow to know him personally. The Apostle Paul, he wrote this to the church of Philippi. He says, oh, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Know the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings. There's a longing there. He says, I want to know Jesus. Paul is saying there, and I I believe Peter here agrees in our text, that there's this expectation and this deep desire to know Jesus relationally, to know him intimately. And so, again, I encourage you, grow to know Jesus. Understand who he is and how he came as a humble servant. Get to know him as a prophet who can still speak to you and and teach you living truth. 
Desire to know him as your king who graciously, gently rules and sovereignly governs your life. Get to know him as your priest who forgives every one of your sin and is able and willing to blot out every transgression you haven't even committed yet. Get to know Jesus as your friend who sticks closer to you than even a brother who knows your innermost thoughts and desires. Not only does he know him, know them, he actually cares about them. Pursue the one who knows all of your weaknesses. The one who you can talk to every single moment of every single day. He's always there when you need Greater than any friend, Jesus. Greater than any relative, any husband, any wife, or any children. You can know this Jesus. He has made himself known. And he, he will continually make himself known if you would just go to him. So again, as you wait for his coming, grow in your knowledge of Jesus. Yes, know about him, but also know him personally. Well, you might have noticed there was another area of growth that Peter encouraged. Uh, For those who are waiting upon the Lord, look back at verse 18. It's there again. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we see our fourth point this morning. We are to grow in in grace. Grow in our grace. We should grow in grace. We're not just to grow in our knowledge of Jesus, but we're also to grow in the grace of Jesus. And that is that we understand that the, gra- uh, the grace that has been offered to us and the incredible implications that that grace has for our lives. In a sense, uh, you could say that this is growing in appreciation of the gospel. That's what Peter is talking about here. It's growing and attempting somehow to comprehend the simple words, He died for me. Try, try, just even now, just for a second, I'll give you a second. Try to comprehend those words. You say it for yourself. He died for me. Jesus died for you. It's growing in our understanding that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and nothing else. That's the gospel. That inheriting the kingdom of God, obtaining eternal life, forgiveness of sin, is not my doing, not your doing. That we do not deserve his saving, this saving or this relationship with him. Not at all. It's only by his grace So Peter says, grow in grace. What that also means is that to grow in grace means you need to grow in your knowledge of your sin, in the penalty for your sin. I need to know and be reminded that the way that I think, the way that I live, what's in my heart, that I deserve death and separation from God. But in that place of hopelessness, Jesus gave himself for me. He died for my sin and the penalty of my sin. That my debt has been 
paid in full. My death sentence has been canceled. It's been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm safe. I'm assured. I'm secure because of grace. And so do you understand the depths of or the depths of God's grace today? The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5 verse 20. He said this, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Do you understand that today? Do you understand how profound that reality is? I was thinking about it even last night how I really need to work hard, really work hard at understanding that verse, that truth. And the point that no matter how deep in the power of sin that we have sunk, God's grace is deeper still. That no matter how great our sin, no matter how much we have fallen, grace gets the final word. Grace wins the day. That's what Paul's saying there. And so Peter says, I want you to grow in grace. No grace. Understand how deep and how wide it is because of Jesus. Peter asks, how ought we be? How ought we be? How should we live in light of Jesus' second coming? And then he wraps up his letter this way, and it will give us our fifth and final point this morning. Look at the end of verse 18. Look at the end of verse 18. Again, he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he ends it this way. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And that gives us point number five. It's this. We should live in adoration. Let me encourage you in 2020. Live in adoration. It's possible, very likely actually, that these are the last words that Peter wrote before he died for his faith in Christ. Those of you who know church history, you know that uh, the majority, we know at least 11 of the apostles died a martyr's death. They died for their faith in Jesus. Peter is one of those who died. Uh, Shortly after he wrote this, this letter, he actually was crucified like Christ, but before he was uh, strung up, I, I could say, or before the cross was hung up, he asked to be crucified upside down, actually. Because he didn't want to die or deserve, he didn't believe he deserved to die the same way as Jesus. And so in humility, he said, please, I know I'm being crucified here, but would you crucify me upside down so I don't have to die? I'm not worthy of dying like Jesus. Okay? Before that, though, he writes these last words. These are really strong words, by the way. Not a, not a bad way to end. If you're going to write anything, this is pretty good. As final words. And I believe that these words here are, are not just an answer to how we should live. But in many ways, uh, everything else hinges on these words here. All of the other points are really built upon this. He says, while we anticipate Jesus' coming, adore him. Adore him. Peter is giving us a statement of adoration here, but I believe 
calling us to do the same. Adoration. Adoration. It's a, it's a call to reverence. That word adore, it literally means to worship. I was talking about this with someone and, and just sharing how, you know, we sing the, the Christmas hymn, I guess you, oh, come let us adore him. Come let us adore him, right? Christ the Lord. And I think because we think about Jesus' first coming, we have this picture like the manger, the baby, and then we sing about adoring him. And there's this kind of maybe thinking, especially in English, like, oh, he's adorable. Like, oh, come let us adore him. Yeah, you know, he's a soft, gentle, squishy baby, right, who's come. Let us adore him. And it's not what it's talking about there. Adore. It's revere, fear him, worship him. And that's what Peter is saying here. Because he has come, and because he is coming again, oh, come let us adore him, worship him. He's saying, give Jesus the glory he deserves now, just as you will on the day when he comes again and forevermore. And don't miss the significance of this. Peter says, to him, to him be the glory. Who's him again? What's the text say? That's Jesus. That's the Lord and Savior. And that's so important because let's remember, glory, glory belongs to God and God alone. In fact, in the Old Testament, God, Yahweh himself says this. He says, my glory will I not give to another. No one else gets glory. Just me, just Yahweh, just the Lord. But here, the Holy Spirit says, speaks through Peter. And he says, give glory to Jesus Christ. Give glory to Jesus. Which means, and affirms here, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And that is why Jesus is worthy of our praise. That is why Jesus is worthy of glory. Why Jesus is worthy to be adored. While we can rightfully and should sing, let let us adore him. We adore you. And so as we finish out another year and enter into a new one, let me encourage you along with the scriptures and along with the apostle Peter. Anticipate. Look forward to the second coming. Work towards, be diligent, make every effort to be mindful of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And as you do, and as you do, while you're here, in the time that he allows, in the time that he gives you, be and live at peace. Be at peace. Share and guard the truths of the gospel. Grow in your knowledge of Christ. Grow in grace. And finally, live in adoration. Revere Jesus. Humble yourself. And worship his wonderful name as Savior and as Lord until he comes. Let's pray.